Hello, everyone, and welcome to Polite Politics. Noah Niederhofer here with Jenny Tayer. We are doing, we are practicing what we preach this week, Jenny. We are going with the social distancing. This is our first Polite Politics over Skype. Yes, this is very exciting, although it's kind of sad. I, I prefer to be in person. We, you know, feed off of each other's energy, so this is kind of weird. So I hope that doesn't come off that way. But, um, yeah, it's been kind of hard to social distance. So, Jenny, do you want to kind of just give an insight into kind of what you've been going through as far as you were at CPAC, you were at APAC, there are some people that uh, tested positive at those events, you know, uh, maybe giving some insight to our listeners as far as the kind of self-quarantine and social distancing? Yeah, I've just been trying to keep my distance from people and monitor my health. You know, I'm a little concerned. I do have asthma. So they say if you have any kind of like lung issue, it's probably best to stay home. So I've been trying to as much as I can. But yeah, I think, I mean, there weren't really any big problems from APAC or CPAC and we're past the 14 day um, period. So everyone's healthy from that. um, And, you know, that's completely been um, controlled. Um, I know that, you know, it's hard for some people to stay home and it's been hard for me, but, you know, I have a roommate, which is nice. So we just watch a ton of movies and it's really fun. Absolutely, and and definitely glad that you're feeling great. One of the things that we we will continue to kind of cover here now at the beginning is some CDC recommendations for just good things to do. They recommend washing with soap and water for at least 20 seconds after using the bathroom, before eating, and after blowing your nose or sneezing. Uh, The CDC uh, Center for Disease Control also advises you not to touch your eyes, nose, and mouth, and to clean objects and surfaces that you touch often. So definitely uh, when you're sick, stay home from work or school and uh, definitely drink lots of fluids. So those are definitely some tips and things that you can be doing. No need to be buying toilet paper (laughs) in mass. Actually, I went to the the store yesterday to buy uh, some more fruit because we didn't have as much fruit here at the uh, the apartment. I have plenty of food, but not as much fruit. And so I want to go get some fruit and no toilet paper at the entire, yeah, the Harris Teeter that I went to is just completely gone. Lots of paper towels, but no toilet paper. They picked the store completely clean, which was pretty amazing. So obviously the World Health Organization has declared the COVID-19 coronavirus a pandemic. Now, I know it sounds pretty scary to a lot of people, and in a way it is, but it is more meant to describe the lack of containment of the disease, not necessarily the lethality of the disease. So, you know, there have been more lethal diseases, but certainly the spread is, as they call it, a pandemic. And it certainly has reached the United States, and I think the, the assumption is, and the safe one at that, is that there will be more people that are tested for and have the COVID-19, the coronavirus. More people will die from it, but there are measures being taken. As you said, Jenny, the you know kind of self-quarantining, different things like that, social distancing, making sure that we're washing our hands and, and having good hygiene. Steps like that will definitely save lives. I think also, if I could add to that, you know, the country has kind of stepped up and the Trump administration um, declared um, a national emergency, which put um, more funding towards mitigating the issue. Um, And I think that, you know, 
gave people a lot more hope and put people at ease during this panic because there's so much that people are unsure about. You know, are there enough tests? Are there going to be enough beds slash ventilators in hospitals? The answers to those those questions the answer to those questions at this point seems like no and no. Well, and I think that was the point in ramping up the you know private sector um, their effort in this. Um, so now we have drive through test centers. I even looked online today, um, typed in my zip code on the website, saw where there were testing centers. There's tons around me. Um, not sure about, you know, how many tests are available or, you know, I'm sure if you are experiencing symptoms and you feel like you need to be tested, um, then you should probably call those test center centers and see, see if there are enough, um, tests available. Um, but even during that press conference, when that, um, national emergency was announced, uh, it seemed like even the stock market, uh, felt a little bit of, um, a weight lifted and it, the Dow Jones increased a thousand points just during that one speech, um, which was pretty incredible. So I think that was something that was very necessary. Absolutely right. The National Emergency Declaration, and I talked about this last week, is that the president has been, and, and I think this is a great time to talk about it, in terms of the handling of this situation, I think the president was very much wanted to portray strength, and I think he wanted to give America good news, and he didn't want to fuel panic and concern and anxiety as you were talking about. But in doing so, in the face of everything that we were seeing around the world and then coming to the United States where he said this is going to go away very soon and he had and he was giving away information that needed to be corrected immediately as we saw in his Oval Office address, things that he said in terms of blocking imports from other countries as opposed to no, the travel ban that he placed on most countries of Europe did not include cargo and different things like that. There were many things that have been had to have been corrected, and that's why we see obviously that words do definitely matter. You're absolutely right about the Rose Garden speech definitely being necessary, but in doing so, in trying to provide this good news and in trying to keep it positive and in trying to portray strength, I think the president was concerned that declaring a national emergency and allowing FEMA in would go against that message. And I think he held off on that too long. I think we needed that because FEMA is sitting on this pile of money, uh, tens and tens of billions of dollars that can be used, as you said, in terms of helping fund testing and helping to mitigate this crisis that we're currently going through. I think it'll be very interesting to see how the president and his team continue to handle the crisis. But so far, I think they have not handled it as well as certainly I would have hoped. But I think ultimately, um, Americans, it's very important that the administration handled this well. If they continue to bungle the response and they're not fast enough, that's bad for everybody. Nobody should be hoping that the Trump administration looks terrible in all of this because the worse that they look, the more people get sick and potentially die. That's absolutely right. And there's, you know, a large portion of our population that's really at risk um, of, you know, <laughs> of lethal exposure. Um, and that would be, you know, the elderly population and those with pre-existing conditions. Um, I, I think that 
we need to be very careful, even if you're young and, and you're healthy, you could be, you know, someone that could spread it. You could be a vessel for this virus to spread to um, someone who's really at risk. So we have to be really mindful. Personal responsibility is key here. And I saw a lot of people out in D.C. yesterday as I was uh, going out. And I saw, I mean, I wasn't going out to a bar. I was just taking a walk. And I saw a lot of people going to St. Patrick's Day bar crawls. And that's not the responsible thing to do, guys. I, you know, I'm sure it's fun and I'm sure it's nice, but, you know, you, you can be young and think, well, well, I'm healthy, but you could give that to somebody else who might give it to somebody else. So you really need to practice responsibility here and, and make sure that we're doing the right thing. That's right. I, I mean, there's a reason they canceled St. Patrick's Day parades in so many cities. <laughs> it's, it's really important that you, that you follow that, um, that, that lead um, that your, you know, local government is setting, which I think a lot of, you know, we're seeing across the board. Some are creating containment areas. Um, some are ramping up testing from um, private pharmaceutical companies. So it's also making sure that you know, okay, what's going on in my local area? What are they advising? Certain areas like we're seeing in Washington and New York, those are huge um huge rates of, of cases. And um, also one thing to note also is if you are looking at the Johns Hopkins or any other map that's tracking in real time the number of cases, um, the officials uh, that are monitoring those are saying that for each person that you see that's confirmed on those counts, um, you should assume that there's 50 to 100 more associated with that person. Absolutely. Italy, we just saw actually uh, yesterday, I believe, in the 14th, had an explosion. 20% of cases it jumped in one day, which is it's just pretty incredible. So Italy on lockdown. Spain has joined them in lockdown as well, uh, as we're seeing China start to to try to turn the corner there. But we'll, we'll see how, how that, that goes as far as whether they are successful or not, obviously. In this Jenny, you know, talking about we you mentioned the stock market. The stock market, I think, is not the best indicator of America's success economically, but it's definitely something that people point to as it's it's the barometer that they watch the most closely, even though it's not the end all and be all. There are a lot of different indicators about what makes a, an economy successful or not. So overall, even though we've ended now our bull market, which we had the a historic 11-year kind of bull market, which means that the stock market continues to grow and go up, and then we entered correction territory and then ultimately into a bear market, which ended the bull run. Uh, so the correction is 10% lower than the all-time high, and a bear market is 20% uh, down from the, from the all-time high. How would you say, as far as economically, this will continue to affect the United States here as we continue to try to, as you said, mitigate, but also the different areas of the economy that this is impacting? Because we have cruise ships, we have airlines, we have tourism, we have hospitality, we have different things like restaurants and tipped workers where people aren't going out as much. So Jenny, you know, how is this going to affect really a lot of different segments of the economy, especially some people like, you know, waiters, waitresses, and people that live paycheck to paycheck? Right. Well, like you said, it's going to impact small business. The, the heaviest weight is on their shoulders. 
Um, and I'm seeing that even in my neighborhood. I mean, my roommate says she went to get a coffee yesterday at some small coffee shop and the woman was so grateful that there was someone coming in to buy a coffee um, because she said the entire block of businesses was just laying off employees, um, which is really sad because you, you don't want to see that. And I know the Trump administration had implemented some relief in their national emergency package um, for um, small businesses, but, you know, there's also going to need to be an effort on the local government's part. And also, I think just there's different things we can do as individuals. Like, I've seen a lot of recommendations for people who are social distancing to, you know, just buy a gift card from a restaurant that you know you'll go to eventually um, just to support them um, when they really need kind of an advance, if you will. Um, and also I think hats off to a lot of local businesses who are still, you know, open right now and still keeping full employment. Um, even the ones that I'm seeing right now that are offering to deliver food, um, for free, even to deliver free meals to the elderly, um, which is huge. So that's, um, that's always reassuring, but yes, those are going to be the hardest hit. Absolutely. And so obviously as, as we saw, with Italy, you know, with Milan and, and Venice and, and the region of Lombardy, you know, a huge economic engine of Italy, you know, they haven't just shut that down. They've shut everything down in Italy. Spain, as I said before, has been shut down with China under lockdown as well in, in different parts that they're starting now to open up a little bit more. But that obviously is is a huge part of, of the world economy as well. So it's going to be very, very interesting to see. I think the travel ban from different parts of, of Europe, now including the UK and Ireland. It's another thing that's it's really, these are, are tough times that we're going through, but I think ultimately a necessary measure. Unfortunate that we've had to take these steps, but absolutely necessary. And, and difficult times call for difficult decisions, and I think that was ultimately one that I think Mike Pence made the right call in terms of, of doing that. That's right. I, I agree with you wholeheartedly. Um, and, you know, I know that it's really discouraging if you are had to leave Europe um, or if you feel I mean, you can still travel um, right now. If you are a U.S. citizen, you can still come home. Um, so that's important to note. Um, but I would advise people who are abroad to to come home um, to you know, quarantine yourself for 14 days. I think the CDC is also recommending that. So that's important. Um, you know, it's, it's pretty much impacted everyone across the board. If you were on study abroad, you had to come home. Um, if you are in school right now in the U.S., you're probably doing online school now, um, which is pretty hard to adapt to if you have a course that's not really set up for online classes. I, I don't think it's necessarily like so easy to flip that switch, even though it's 2020 and people assume, oh, you know, it'll be easy. But um, I definitely feel for those people. And I think um, it's going to be hard. I don't know how long this is going to last. And I don't think um, anyone does know. I know, however, that what the point of all of these restrictions are is to flatten that curve of the spike in cases. Um, so that's what Dr. Fauci has talked a lot about um, in their efforts. 
certainly I think one of the things that is tougher is for younger students. Younger students have definitely had schools canceled because they, some of them are on, on spring break, but I, I can speak at least to, to a lot of college students. A lot of college students were headed on spring break this this week coming up. And so now that has been extended, obviously, as teachers and universities, high schools, different things like that, are trying to find out the best way to go about doing this remote learning. And some people just had classes canceled for an extended period of time. We will get into the sports aspect of this as the sports world has um, you know, almost completely shut down. NCAA tournament for men's and women's basketball canceled. The NCAA has canceled all winter and spring championships. The NBA has put their season on hiatus now that uh, some players have been uh, have tested positive. MLB has delayed. Uh, they've canceled all their spring training games, pushed opening day for at least two weeks. Major League Soccer put the season on hiatus. Hockey, same thing. NFL has not said that there is a delay to their season, but they are going to, uh, and they just passed a new CBA. So, but they have moved the annual meeting. They've canceled that. So there has it hasn't been exactly business as usual for the NFL, but the NFL because they're in their off season has a little bit of an easier time with this. The PGA Tour, uh, which I I do a lot of work with for PGA Tour Radio, and they canceled the PGA Tour did their premier event of the year the players championship and they've also postponed the next events after that up until the uh through the Valero Texas Open the event after the Valero Texas Open Jenny is one that I'm sure a lot of our listeners and and a lot of Americans are familiar with and that is the Masters which which has kind of come to to signify for a lot of people the start of spring going to one of the most beautiful places on the planet Augusta National Golf Club Augusta National Golf Club has postponed the Masters, and with that also the Augusta National Women's Amateur and the Drive, Chip, and Putt, which is always a great opportunity for kids to uh, to come visit Augusta National. So certainly the sports world, and I, I, I'm sure that I've left off some sports. I know NASCAR postponed some events as well. Uh, there, are, there are a lot of sports out there, but everybody across the sports world has certainly been affected by this, I want to get into something else, Jenny, where we're talking about blame, because I think that has been an, a really ugly part of this whole aspect. I think the president, in many ways, has been reluctant to take responsibility for these slow responses. As you and I talked about, there certainly could have been better ways to handle this. I think they didn't. They didn't knock this out of the park by any stretch, but it, it's not like it's too little too late at this point. They they are making things. They just, we have to catch up to where we should have been. But I'm not seeing the president take responsibility and say, you know what, I should have done this a little sooner, or, you know, we should have made this move. It's, I'm seeing a lot of, I blame the media or blame the CDC or blame the Obama administration or blame the Democrats who the president just worked with to pass a bill. So it's kind of one of those those strange things about blame and, and then work with. Do you feel like in a leadership capacity, it would be a better look for the president to to admit maybe saying, you know what, I could have done this a little bit sooner, but we're making the moves now and and we're doing this. Do, do you think maybe accepting some kind of responsibility for the initial slow response 
would endear the president more to to people as, as and humanize the president in that way? Right. I see where you're coming from. Um, I respectfully disagree. I think um, one thing that I would agree with you on is that you know the political rhetoric has to has to stop, and I think everyone can agree with that. Like just tweeting about you know um, anything that's political or like you said blame. Um, I do agree that the media has caused a lot of alarm. I think their role in this is to put people at ease. Well, I don't think it's the job necessarily of the media to calm people down. I think it's the job of the media to inform and educate. Now, it's a scary problem. I mean, if, if there's no known cure right now, and, and I think you know the media, the job they should be doing is saying, okay, these are the facts. This is what we know. This is what we're seeing around the world, and these are the ways, talking to CDC and other officials, these are the ways that you can kind of protect yourself. But but certainly, I, I don't think it's necessarily on them to, yeah. Right, and I think that that puts people more at ease is if you say, here's the problem and here are the recommendations from officials. Um, and I think, you know, the focus on is President Trump going to get a test? Should he get tested? Is he exposing others to um, COVID-19? Um, was he around the Brazilian president who um, actually tested negative for COVID-19? Um, focusing on those things, even CPAC, the media went insane over CPAC. Um, that was not where the focus needed to be, um, in my opinion. Don't you think that it's relevant, Jenny, though, that people that have tested positive for coronavirus could and have been in the presence of the president? I think that goes that's a ser- that's a big story, obviously, because, you know, for for Mar-a-Lago, Mar-a-Lago, I think we've had three people that were at Mar-a-Lago and, and have inter- had some kind of interaction with the president and have tested positive for coronavirus. So there's a really there's a very real chance that he could have gotten it. And so I think in that way, of course, that's a huge story. And, and asking whether the president is going to get tested or not was a huge story. And I think the president could have headed off some of that at the pass by just getting tested earlier. But again, as I said, by trying to convey good news, by trying to convey strength, he you know didn't get tested. I think if he had gone out early and said, I'm going to get tested, I'm going to show you guys, I'm completely fine— and he had done that before, I think that would have also put people at ease, I think. I, and and I, I don't think the media is wrong at all for saying our, the president has spent time with people that have tested positive. Is the president coming down with a, with a serious disease? Because he, now the president, for his age group, certainly uh, seems as, as, you know, his, his doctor's reports, and, and some people will say, oh, those things are, you know, kind of rubber stamped. But he is certainly in the, the demographic of people that would be very impacted by the uh, coronavirus. So, yeah, no, I, I don't think the, the media is wrong at all in there in, tr- in trying to certainly come up with, uh, you know, asking those tough questions. But I, I do think if they can stay to the, here are the facts, here's what we know, here are the ways that you can, can protect yourself and, and your family and others, I think that's necessarily where they should stay. But I don't think that it should stop them from asking questions like that. Right. And I think that initial kind of hold off that you described was more of kind of setting the example, um, because they're saying, you know, if you are, 
asymptomatic or even if you have symptoms, right? Um, and they're kind of just, you know, common flu, common cold, um, nothing that you would need to go to the hospital for that they're saying, you know, just stay home, just self-quarantine. Um, getting a test won't really change it. I think that's probably the um, the message that they were trying to convey initially. Um, I think it was smart to do the test. I think it was, it you know, it gave people the answer they needed. Um, and now we can move on and now we can uh, find a path forward to mitigating and solving this crisis. Yeah, definitely. And I, as, as we said, I mean, by getting the test, those questions stop now. Because he got the test and it came back negative, so now they can move on to other things and other questions. And I think that certainly the Rose Garden uh, press conference that he did, I think, was was one of the better things. Although, again, I, I I would hope that the president will at some point, and I'm not holding my breath on this, will takes will will admit some kind of at some point will say, you know what, I should have been a little faster on the response or. You know, I should have done this or I should have done that. Um, I, I'm not counting on it, but I, I think if he does, I think that'll be a, a great moment for him personally. And I think people will be like, wow, you know, he's taking responsibility and kind of pledging or, you know, rededicating himself or to redouble his efforts and say that, you know, we won't be caught off guard like that. And I'm going to make sure that when this crisis is over, that we'll be ready for, you know, whatever one comes next, even if it's not obviously in my term or my administration. I think there are different ways to play that where it comes off as a, a real positive for him instead of a moment of weakness, turning it into a moment, I think, of strength. We want to move from, you know, we talked about all those sports that were canceled, Jenny, uh, postponed or put on pause and hiatus. So we'll move over to a, a different kind of sport, the the sport of politics as we go to the Democratic primary it's become a two-man field now between Joe Biden and Bernie Sanders. They have a debate this Sunday, and a lot of Democrats really displeased that Bernie Sanders is still in this race and not kind of clearing a path for Joe Biden. But it looks like Joe Biden is going to be the one with the most delegates heading to the convention. Bernie Sanders is either going there, but it looks like he's pushing his chips all in on this debate, kind of hoping for— maybe Biden to have several gaffes of some kind that will then set Bernie up for success because Bernie really does like those debate atmospheres. So do you think that's going to be ultimately successful here, Jenny? And do you think it's a smart gamble on the part of Bernie Sanders? Well, it's going to be hard to say. I, I really don't know what to expect because honestly, this is a completely uncharted um, format for a debate now that we have coronavirus Um you know, playing a role in it. There's not going to be a an audience. There's not going to be any kind of like audience response. Um, there's also, you know, it's going to be in DC now. Um, so it's, it's kind of hard to say. And, you know, it may be the best place to put all your chips. Um, because now we have canceled rallies. Um, so they're not really able to conduct outreach unless it's through like an online platform, which we've seen throughout the week. They've gone live on social media platforms and talked to their to their voters. This is going to be where everyone's watching at this point in time. Everyone's home. Maybe it'll have, you know, a high viewership. Um, but I, I don't know. I think a lot of this is uncharted. 
a lot of the primaries are postponed. We were talking about that a little before the show. Georgia and Louisiana right now, the the two states that have decided to postpone their primaries. Louisiana, instead of April 4th, they're going to be holding their primary on June 20th. And Georgia, instead of March 24th, will be holding theirs on May 19th. So those are the two dates there that are being changed. We have some upcoming primaries this week. It'll be very interesting to see what goes on with those. But we have some some serious delegates up for grabs. Biden probably in great position in Florida and some of these other states. Ohio, obviously winning Michigan, I think will certainly help as far as the profile in Illinois and in Ohio. And that, I think, will probably be nailing the coffin there for, you know, Michigan, you could maybe consider nailing the coffin there for, for the Bernie Sanders campaign. But Bernie, I think, is, is going to keep chugging along. If you are Joe Biden's advisors and his campaign team, he did change his campaign manager as he looks to kind of pivot towards the general and, and do more outreach there. What are you telling Joe Biden if you're kind of his advisors, his managers for this debate? Are are you trying to go out and be aggressive? Are you trying to be a little more conservative? In my mind, Jenny, I think if you're the advisors, you say, let's just limit the damage. Let's let's not go out there and make any kind of self-enforced errors. Let's play it safe. Even if you even if you battle them to a draw, that's a win. Because the people that are voting in these states are probably going to vote for you, and that delegate count is just going to be even bigger. What, do you, what what advice would you give Joe Biden if you were his advisors or managers? I think you're exactly right on that. I think it's just play it safe. Um, it, I don't think um, you know any kind of emotional um, response is is good in this situation, considering, like you said, that kind of voters are like waiting for the next gaffe. Um, and I, I worry about that too. I think, you know, he's very gaff prone. Um, they have to be very careful about that. Um, so he may even have to answer to some of, um, his previous remarks. So it's important to, um, to kind of craft responses for, for anything that would come up about, about that. Certainly. And and now to the other side, if you are Bernie Sanders, you're running out of time. He's going to be behind in the delegate count. But there's a chance that if he doesn't leave the race, that Joe Biden might not get the amount necessary, that 1,991 delegates needed to secure the nomination for the Democratic, you know, uh, for the Democratic Party. So if you are Bernie Sanders, what are the keys for him going into this debate? so that he could try to change the momentum or the dynamic of the race? Because right now, he's behind. Okay, here's my recommendation. Bernie Sanders, get in a car right now, go to Elizabeth Warren's house, and plea for her endorsement. That could help you a lot right now, because I agree with you. I think that Biden is going to win over those upcoming key states, um, and Bernie has to do all he can right now. And uh, Elizabeth Warren hasn't endorsed anyone. That's really key. She has not endorsed Joe Biden, but she hasn't endorsed Bernie Sanders either. As far as debate strategy, Jenny, in my mind, I think if you're Bernie Sanders, you got to leave it all on the field. And if there's any opposition research, anything like that, you bring it up and you hope to God that pe- enough people are watching and it changed people's minds. Although, it's hard. I, I don't know how many people at this point are 
still not made up. I'm sure there are a lot of people that made same-day decisions in some of those other primaries. But if you're Bernie Sanders, I think you got to go knives out for Joe Biden. I think you have to really hit, try to hit him with every single thing you have and try to knock him off balance and into those gaps. What do you think as far as the way that Bernie Sanders should play this? Because he's not normally a guy who is who is prone to attack people unless it's a, a, a Bloomberg who's a billionaire that stands for the things that Bernie Sanders is obviously against. Right. He's been pretty calm, but I think you're right. I think some opposition research, you know, I think, um, you know, pressing him a little bit on um, issues from the Obama administration that he um, is still backing or faults of the Obama administration, um, because I think that's also key. Um, a lot of the voters see him as kind of like a an offshoot of the Obama administration. They really like that, but um, maybe highlighting some of the faults um, and what Sanders is offering as an alternative because Sanders is not an establishment candidate. Um, and, you know, that's very different from that administration. In terms of of predictions, how do you think this debate is going to go? Do you see Biden kind of handling his business in a way and, and minimizing the damage? I think he probably should realize the importance of this debate. If you get out of there without too many mistakes, you know, you, you, you rack up Florida, Ohio, and Illinois, and this baby is pretty much sealed up. Yeah, I, I don't know necessarily if Biden is going to come out um, as the winner of this debate. Um, but again, I don't really know how that is going to play for voters because he's, you know, he hasn't always played so well during the debates, um, but he's still the, you know, the winner of, of these key states and, and leads in delegate counts. Um, so it'll be interesting also to see how the moder moderators um, work with two candidates on stage. This is a different, you know, this is a different thing that we're seeing now. Definitely. And I, I think, as as you had mentioned, he can still win even by losing. It's just the degree to which he loses. If Bernie Sanders looks more polished, that's okay. If Bernie Sanders makes some better points, that's okay. If he gets a few more jabs in, that's okay. As long as, again, you don't make the big mistake. And I think as long as Biden doesn't make the big mistake and really hurt himself on, on stage in terms of a lot of gaffes, I think he'll be just fine even if Bernie Sanders comes out and is a lot more aggressive and, and ends up having the better debate performance. I think, as you said, I think Joe Biden will still come out ahead when we have these primaries and, and contests coming up here in the next week if if they don't postpone them. That obviously could be something that we see. want to go ahead and, and move on to our, our final stories here. Uh, we love to have uplifting stories of the week, and this one is a pretty good one. There was a woman in North Carolina, and she was on the phone with her dad, who lives in New Jersey, and her dad was worrying about going out and buying things that he needed for the house in terms of stocking up and things like that because he was afraid to leave and, and risk some of that exposure. So what this woman did in North Carolina, she went door to door and asked some of her neighbors if she, because she's a relatively young and healthy woman, if there was anything that they needed and that she would go to the store and pick it up for them. 
And so that's what she's been doing. She's been going out and making grocery store runs for people in her neighborhood that are scared to leave the house. And then she also did that. There is a, a senior citizens community down the road. So she kind of went up by the you know activity board, the cork board, and basically put up her information and said, if anybody needs anything, I will go to the store for you so you do not have to leave and risk exposure, which I thought was a really, really beautiful thing. And we have another story from this one comes to us from Missouri. They share the harvest program. It's a goodwill mission that allows Missouri deer hunters to donate part or all of their catch to charity. And so they do that every season. They donated, this is 6,750 whole deer and 350,000 pounds of venison were donated through the program. Those are going to local food banks across the state. So a lot of meals are going to go to the needy in uh, in Missouri. So a couple of uplifting stories for your week of people helping out those in their communities and across their states. One of those things that we always love to bring you some uplifting things to uh, send you into the week with the right kind of mindset. Jenny, any uh, final thoughts on the week that was and the week that we have now in front of us? Yes, um, I am excited to see what happens with this Democratic, you know, debate, um, which is tonight. Um, the other thing is just I want to make sure that everyone's healthy and happy um, and just making sure that you're practicing good hygiene and, you know, staying safe. This is a really scary time, but um, always feel free to reach out to your loved ones and you know, support each other. We live in a world, thank God, where we can access, um, we have access to everyone um, instantly. So, I mean, even if you want to DM me on Twitter, I'm happy to do that. <laughs> but um, yeah, just just make sure you keep in contact with your loved ones and, and practice, you know, healthy habits. All right, Jenny Tayer's DMs are open. You heard it here first. Uh, so again, we want to remind everybody, Wash your hands regularly, cover your nose and mouth when you sneeze, and when you're sick, stay home from work or school and drink lots of fluids. Again, the CDC recommends washing with soap and water for at least 20 seconds after using the bathroom, before eating, and after blowing your nose or sneezing. Please do not touch your eyes, nose, and mouth, and clean objects and surfaces that you touch often. Like you, Jenny, very interested to see what happens with the debate tonight. I think that Joe Biden will again prevail in a, a lot of those key contests that we have coming up. Florida, Ohio, Illinois is the big prizes. I think one when he, I believe, he wins those states, then we'll see will Bernie Sanders then drop out of the race or will he continue because then there will be even more pressure on him to drop out and help unite the party ahead of what is going to be a very tough general election against the president trump also final thoughts just on kind of this past week we we saw the volatility in the world some of the anxiety that we talked about and the sports world shut down i've never seen anything like it some of these we we haven't seen a postponement in the masters since 1945 world war ii so some of these things are just unprecedented in terms of what we are seeing across the world of sport. A lot of people use sport as an escape from the things that happen in everyday life, and now they don't have that aspect. So there are a lot of things, you know, we have streaming and movies and TV shows and a lot of other things on different streaming services that people can occupy themselves with. But I would also say, again, 
try a board game, you know, try Scrabble, try, you know, Settlers of Catan or, you know, chess or something like that. Try something that actually allows you read a book, try something that allows you to, to engage your mind, your imagination, or actually just, you know, God forbid you spend time with family or friends if, uh, if they're around. So definitely continue again, that social distancing six feet, but I think a good week at the end for, for president Trump with the, with the Rose Garden ceremony, I think, Unfortunately, it came a little too late for for what I think a lot of people wanted or needed. There were some moments in there that I think could have been improved, certainly moments that had to have been walked back. But ultimately, that was a huge step in declaring a national emergency. That's the situation that we're in right now. As Americans, we all need to come together. This is one of those things where this, this effect, it does not matter what your race is. Does not matter what your religion is. Does not matter what political party you affiliate with. This will affect everyone. Everyone you know, probably again with with the testing that we have, there are so many people out there that don't realize that they have this. It will affect young, old alike. It doesn't matter. What's important right now is that we look out for each other, as we saw from that woman uh, Becky uh, Hoffler in in North Carolina, who is going out and and going on grocery runs for her neighbors. That's that's what we can do is be there for our friends, our family, and the people around us. So with that in mind, for Jenny Tayer and myself, I want to thank you all for listening to Polite Politics. Have a great week. See you guys next time. Bye.